Hello and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast, the podcast about loving God, living well. I'm Dr. Shantae, and this is the podcast that provides resources on faith and wellness to help you live a whole and complete life. So we are back in the saddle, folks. I'm just so encouraged. I'm so relieved. I got a praise. I have a testimony because, you know, last week it was rough. (laughs) It was rough in these streets. Both of my parents had contracted COVID. Both of them were in the hospital. Both of them have all of the markers that make them just prime targets to contract this disease. And it was looking rough. Both of them were in bad shape, but God is a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. And I just trusted him. I just trusted him. I I never once believed that they were in any danger of succumbing to this disease. And people can call that foolishness, but I call it faith. And as a result, my father got out of the hospital on Good Friday. So that was a Good Friday. And as of this recording, uh, my mother is scheduled to get out of the hospital tomorrow. So I I gotta praise, I gotta praise and I gotta get it out. Like where is the tambourine? (laughs) Because I am just so, oh, it's a complete 180 from where I was last week, but God is just that good. And so as relieved as I am, I have to be honest, there is a little bit of not survivor's guilt, but I guess in a sense it is because every single time that I turn on the news or I scroll through social media and I see that, you know, another person or another group of people have died from this disease. And then, you know, you just think about the grace of God, you know, that that could have very well been my parents. You know, I, there was a, just a very strong chance and possibility of that happening to them, but by literally, literally the grace of God, they were able to pull through. And so I'm just so grateful and so thankful for that. But also at the same time, very humbled and very sobered by the fact that not everybody has that testimony. People have lost their mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and cousins and just all kinds of of devastation as a result. But I am grateful and I am thankful. And I want to thank you so much for your prayers. So many of you reached out to me via email, via social media, just letting me know that you were praying for me and for my family. And I'm telling you, what does it say? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. And I truly believe that it is just the prayers of the saints that was able to just carry us through this. And so I'm just so, so grateful for that. And as a result, we are rocking and rolling. So I am here. I am back with a whole brand new series that I am excited to get into. And it's very relevant for what we're going through right now. It's just a testament of what we're facing and what we're experiencing in this very difficult time. And this is part one of the temptation series. And so that is what we're going to be talking about in these next three episodes is the temptation series. And just can I say this, you know, cause I don't have OCD, but I do like symmetry and I like for things to be perfectly aligned. So because I took last week, to let you know that there really wasn't going to be an episode and that I was just letting you know what was going on with my parents. That was quote unquote episode 11. And so now my Trinity is all jacked up because it's one to three, four to six, seven to nine, 10 to 12. And now that's just all, it's just all jacked up. And so now this will be 11, 12, 13. And that vexes me so bad. (laughs) 
But what can you do? I mean, that's just how it shook out. So I just had to get that out. I had to get that off my chest. But that is what is going on. And that is where we are going. So our temptation series is going to start with recognizing temptation. And as always, as usual, we have a guiding scripture for this series. And it comes from the book of James chapter one, verses 12 through 16. And it says this, blessed is the man or blessed is the person who remains steadfast, that is committed under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted of evil. And he himself tempts no one. But each person, when he is tempted, is lured and enticed by his own desire. Some virgins say his own lust. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. So that is James chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. I love every time the Bible says, do not be deceived, because I read that as, don't get it twisted. So (laughs) that is what we're going to be talking about today. We are going to be talking about the ripe conditions, ripe, meaning R-I-P is in Paul, E is in Edward, like ripe fruit, the ripe conditions, the root of temptation and the cost of saying yes. That is our focus for today's episode. So let's start with the ripe conditions. So it goes without saying that right now we are experiencing some collective hurt. Okay. This global pandemic has literally brought the world to its knees. Never in my lifetime have I seen people praying publicly, crying out to God from emergency rooms, hospitals, street corners, parking lots, grocery stores, and social media. People have taken this seriously. And you know how there's always that separation of church and state and that you really can't talk about God in the workplace. Well, this pandemic has changed all of that. And in some way, shape or form, we are all collectively hurting. People that routinely post selfies on social media are now posting prayers. People who usually show up half naked have clothed themselves in humility. People who were once boastful about their health have been humbled by COVID-19. And we have ground to a halt. So the world as we know it, we went from a society that was busy being busy, being busy to having more time on our hands than we know what to do with. And people are spending more time under one roof than what they're used to. And as a result, rates of internet porn have nearly doubled. Rates of domestic violence are up by a third. And in my youth, in my younger days, there was always this saying, we were always told that idle hands were the devil's workshop, meaning that when you're not engaged in some sort of productive activity, that there is a much greater temptation to indulge in things that, you know, you just really don't have any business doing. And to say that this has brought out a range of emotions is an understatement. So we are feeling all the things, even those of us who practice emotional regulation. And when I say emotional regulation, I'm talking to the strong ones, the ones that suck it up and soldier on. We've had several conversations up to this point in this podcast about being the strong one. But even those of us who practice emotional regulation that are not used to putting our feelings all out there or wearing our hearts on our sleeves, We are feeling all of the things in some way, shape or form. This has brought out some emotions. Some of us are relieved (laughs) to have been forced into a break from our usually full roster of comings and goings. Some of us had so many 
baby showers and birthday parties and baptisms and back to back this and this and this and this, that some of us are actually feeling relieved that this pandemic has kind of put those activities on hold or put them on on pause. There's a lot of, of Zoom parties happening or Zoom celebrations. And so it's completely changed that. And some of us are feeling relieved by that. Others of us are full of negative emotions. Some of us are feeling neglected and forgotten. Others of us are really disappointed. Our plans have been upended and that's putting it mildly. Okay. To say that plans have been upended, that's an understatement. I personally, I had two trips planned this year, one to Tokyo, the other one to Spain, and neither one of those are, they're not going to happen. Neither one of those things are going to be happening this year. They've both been shut down by this virus and our vision boards that we made back in January, February are in shambles. You know, all the things that we had set out to do are indefinitely suspended. The first 100 days of this year saw the tragic deaths of Kobe Bryant, his daughter and her teammates, the end of the NBA, the end of March madness, the closing of our borders, the postponing of the Olympics and Coachella, the cancellation of major tech and film festivals, the abrupt halt of many television programs, the closing of restaurants, hair salons, barbershops, beauty supply. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? Schools, graduations have been shut down or canceled. Proms have been canceled. Colleges and universities have sent their students home. And as of today, more than 120,000 deaths by a disease that has no cure, no treatment, and no vaccine. And all of that has people feeling some kind of way. And birthdays have come and gone without their usual fanfare, including mine. My birthday was this weekend. And I was like, man, you wait years and years for your birthday to fall on a Saturday. And when it finally does, yeah, no, just whatever. I'm over it. Um, you know, but people are feeling some kind of way about that. So we're collectively disappointed. And then there's the grief and the loss, the loss of loved ones, whole branches of family trees have been wiped out by this disease. People have lost money and employment. They've lost their jobs. Millions of people are out of work. Companies are still charging for services that we cannot use right now. People have lost human connection from being able to go to school and go to work. People have lost access to their offices and their children because of this disease. So many parents that were on an every other week type of visitation schedule are no longer able to access their children at this time due to some of the complexities of this disease. And so some people have lost their children because they're an essential worker and they don't want to bring any sort of exposure back into their households because they're out on the front lines battling this disease. People have lost access to their loved ones who are in the hospital suffering, not just from COVID, but suffering from anything because all of the hospitals across the nation have shut down any sort of visitation because visitors are not allowed due to the highly contagious nature of this disease. People have lost access to their churches and their faith communities and people are longing to reconnect because as human beings, we are hardwired for love and belonging. And not only are people feeling alone and lonely, but there's a lot of anger, okay? So people are angry at the government for being slow in their response to this pandemic or for not being prepared at all. People are angry about the loss of life that in many ways was preventable. People are angry at God, wondering why he would allow this 
to happen. People are angry at the disproportionate number of black and brown people that are impacted by this disease, by the disparities that exist between rich people and poor people, angry at their jobs who don't offer paid time off, angry at the banks that are capitalizing on overdraft fees due to the loss of income. So it's just raining. And not only is it raining, but for many people, it's pouring. So not only is there anger, but there is a lot of fear and uncertainty because life as we know it has fundamentally changed. And we don't know for how long there's fear that if you get sick, you might not recover fear that you, if you go out for groceries without protective gear, you might contract something. Parents are questioning whether or not the schools are safe to send their children back when they finally reopen. Or what about the summer camps that they had already planned out? What about the stimulus money when it runs out? Are we ever going to be able to be safe in large crowds again? And I'm here to tell you that all of this the fear, the anger, the uncertainty, the loss, the disappointment, the longing, the loneliness, the isolation, all of these conditions, these fears, these emotions, this level of suffering, these are the ideal conditions for you to be tempted. You are never more vulnerable to temptation than when you are in the midst of suffering. Which brings us back to our text. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person, when he is tempted, he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So let's take a look for a few minutes at the root of temptation. The reason why you are most susceptible to temptation is because you have been weakened and wounded by your suffering. And when you are weakened and wounded by your suffering, you are yearning for a win. You are yearning for some relief, a balm, a something to take the edge off, something to make you feel better about your situation and your circumstances. And so your temptation is not going to originate from God, because God does not tempt, even though he allows that. In the same way, God cannot lie. God cannot tempt somebody with evil. There are certain things that God cannot do. He is infallible in that way. And so there are things that God cannot do. Like he cannot lie. He cannot fail. He cannot falter. He does not slumber. He does not sleep and he cannot tempt and he does not tempt. It's not in his nature to do that. And he's never done that. So in the same way that God cannot do those things, he cannot tempt someone with evil. Now, having said that, he can allow our faith to be tested by allowing temptation But the temptation itself, it does not come from him. And we're going to go to scripture on that. So I want to be very clear about something. So let's make some distinctions. There's a difference between tempting and testing. And we need to understand what the difference is. So temptation is being enticed or drawn to sin. Temptation always leads to a result that will separate you from God. I'm going to repeat that. Temptation will always lead to a result that separates you from God. Now, testing, on the other hand, is God's way of trusting us to make the right decision. So temptation is 
an acquiescence. When you acquiesce to something, you give your permission, you allow it. It's finally opening the door. It's unlocking the gate. It's lowering your guard to allow something that you normally would not do to come into your life. Testing is God trusting you to keep the door locked. (laughs) Testing is God trusting you to keep your guard up. Testing is God saying that you will endure and you will prevail. God is trusting you to say no to the temptation and yes to him. So that is an important distinction. The scripture says, but each person when he is tempted is lured and enticed by his own desire. Some versions say his own lust. Then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. So let me break this down. Your temptation is a manifestation of your own desire. Your temptation is a manifestation of your own desire, meaning that thing by which you are tempted, that man, he been on your radar. That woman, she been on your radar. A part of you wants to open that secret window on the internet that you think nobody's gonna know about. A part of you has been itching to cuss out that person and finally you've hit your limit and you feel like, hey, under these conditions, I'ma just let it loose. There's a line that you want to cross. You want to escalate that relationship. You want to send that picture. It's that thing that's going to scratch the itch. It's the thing that's going to take the edge off your suffering. It's the thing that's going to validate you in some way emotionally. And it's the thing that you feel that God is going to understand because, hey, you're suffering. And anybody in your position with your suffering, with all that you're dealing with, anybody would understand you falling off the wagon. God knows your heart, right? Yeah, that is the root of temptation. It doesn't come from God. It comes from you. Now, after my divorce years ago, I had a therapist friend and she said, Shante, now is the time for you to become the expert of you. What do you want? What do you like? What can you no longer accept? What are your triggers? What are your boundaries? Where are your boundaries? Before you even begin to think about dating somebody else, you need to spend as much time with yourself as possible. And I will never forget that. That was wonderful advice because you can BS your friends. You can BS your family. You can BS on social media. You can shuck it and you can jive it, but you cannot BS yourself and you sure can't BS God. So you need to recognize your situation where you are right now how it's making you feel and how you're choosing to cope. As someone who used to practice emotional regulation, meaning as soon as I felt the feelings, as soon as I felt the loneliness, as soon as I felt the sadness, I would tell myself, you better suck it up, girl. You better toughen up, girl. Ain't nobody got no time for no breakdowns. You better pivot. And then I would be tempted to pivot into something that I had no business doing because I did not want to feel all the feelings. And so if you are that person that's trying to suck it up, to snatch it out of the air and put it into some box, let me save you some trouble. Feel the feelings, deal with it, recognize it, call it out, express it and recognize not only the emotion itself, but how you're coping with it, how you're processing it. What is it causing you to do? Is it causing you to reach for the the bottle of alcohol? Is it causing you to reach for the bag of chips? Is it causing you to respond to those text messages and those DMs and all that who shot John? You know, (laughs) you know, mm, I can't. Yeah, one day we're going to get to the uh, 
to the DMs series because people just got a lot of free time on their hands. And so let me just put this out here as a public service announcement. Don't do me. Don't try me. Don't text me. Don't roll up. Don't, don't swole up. No, no, I'm not interested. I, no, this is not uh, an extension of cuffing season. Leave me alone. Be gone. Shoe fly. Don't bother me. Okay. <laughs> because I'm gonna tell you something there. And not to say that you cannot make a genuine love connection in the DMS, but at this time in this season, see, sometimes you have to question the timing of when something shows up into your life. You have to question the timing of a quote unquote blessing and determine whether or not this is really from God or really this is coming from someplace else. Because you need to be asking yourself if something like that shows up in your life in this season, say, hmm, under any other circumstances, under ideal conditions where we were not all quarantined and sheltering in place with all this extra time on our hands and, and nowhere to go and nothing to do and, and, and no place to be, would this person be trying to roll up to me under otherwise normal circumstances? So that's another series for another time, but I just want to put that out there since we on that subject. So now we are on, <laughs> we have moved on to the cost of saying yes. I hate to sound like a mom, but I'm going to encourage you to think, think it through. The Bible says, then desire or lust when it has conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. So let me break that down and explain that. Once the seed is planted, okay? Once the seed is planted, it germinates, okay? So that means that it takes root, it takes time, it gets pollinated, it gets nourished, it gets watered, okay? Temptation does not just happen. It has roots somewhere. It has roots somewhere in your psyche. It has roots somewhere in your past. It has roots somewhere in your lived experience. It has roots somewhere in your deepest fantasy or your most desperate desire. And once you have decided that you're going to let temptation have its way, the Bible says, then it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. What kind of death? Death means a spiritual separation from God. So temptation is a progression. It's not a, oh, up jump the boogie. No, temptation is a progression. And there are multiple points along the journey. And that journey will ultimately distance you from God. So let me give you an example. So I think I mentioned a few episodes back that right now I'm doing a deep dive into the life of Joseph. I'm doing a study of Joseph. And so I want to read Genesis chapter 39 verses one through 10 to show you how temptation crept up in Joseph's life. And it says this, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now Joseph was well built 
and handsome. Joseph was fine, y'all. He was a young tender. And after a while, his wife's master took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Y'all hear that last line? She pursued him day after day day and Joseph refused her he said how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God Joseph was in the midst of a trial so as you know or if you don't know go back and read Genesis I'm gonna say starting with like maybe verses I mean chapter 37 ish and read straight through to like 42 but Joseph's brothers had thrown him into slavery they faked his death his father Jacob was just rent with grief and he was sent 5,000 miles from his home. So even though he had found favor with his slave master, he was still in slavery. So anyone could understand Joseph wanting to soften the blow of his circumstances. He had had a rough time. Okay. If, if anybody could understand Joseph wanting to take the edge off to fall into the, the loving arms of a woman in a high place, People could understand how he could fall off that wagon. But the question that we have to ask ourselves, what does one night with that woman do to Joseph's life? What does that one night with that woman do to the husband, to Potiphar? What does the one night with that woman do to the wife? Okay, so Joseph is in charge, a clear abuse of his power to go behind his master's back and take advantage of his wife. So that's an abuse of his power. Uh, what does that do to Joseph? So what is he going to be left with? The guilt and the shame and the fear of being found out. Uh, where does that place him with God? Okay, does that move him closer to God or does that push him further away from God. Joseph was in a vulnerable position. Not only was he not an Egyptian, he was a Hebrew, okay? A slave at that, but he was in a vulnerable position. And what happened when he was in that place of suffering, temptation rolled up on him like, hey, sweet thing, how you doing? Okay, so it, this isn't anything new. I'm not making this stuff up. <laughs> you know, you look at King David's life, David, when he was in the midst of some things, he got into the midst of some things. And so temptation doesn't just happen. It came out as a result of his lived experience. And so I say all this to say that there's always going to be a cost of opening that door, of unlocking that gate. And we need to ask ourselves, are we willing to pay it? Is it worth it? And I want to be clear about something. This is not about regulating your behavior because I hate that. That's one of the things that I hate about religion because for too many years, centuries, it has been used to try to police and regulate people's behavior. People try to use the Bible to try to scare people straight. And I hate that. Okay. So this is not about me trying to police your actions, but this is about relationship. You have to evaluate the substance of your relationship with God and you have to evaluate the substance of your relationship with yourself. And you have to ask yourself, is this course of action going to bring me closer to where I want to be? But there is another choice. 
You don't have to go that route. You have another path. You can endure the trial. You can endure the temptation. You can let it pass without giving in. And that is what we are going to be talking about in our next episode in this series, Enduring the Temptation. So when God trusts us to endure and we do, what happens? I've already told you what happens when you say yes, when you unlock the door, when you get caught with your pants down, so to speak. But what happens when you go the other route, okay? We're going to get into that in our next episode. We're going to get into the blessing and the psychological and the spiritual benefits of going that route instead. So if you have any questions, comments, takeaways, hit me up at Dr. Shante Says. And here, I will always ask you every single time, please share this episode. Please share this podcast. Please share this series. There is no algorithm between your fingers and your friends. And so people are suffering right now. People are struggling right now. People need a word right now. And if you think that this is a word that can just give them one more day, one more hour, one more ounce of relief in the midst of all that we are going through, I kindly, humbly ask that you would share this with them. Share this on your social media, put it on your stories, put a link in your Facebook, holla at your girl, roll up in in Tyler Perry's DMs. Let's get the word out, okay? Because there is a word. We're going to get through this. I truly believe this. We are going to get through this. You know, there is no weapon formed against us that will prosper. I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging begging for bread. If there was ever a time to lean into the word of God, now is that time. And I want all of us to come from this, to come out of this trial. What? Whole and complete, lacking nothing. That's the whole point of the podcast because we're going to suffer. We're going to have trials. We're going to have tests. We're going to face temptations, but I want you to come out of it whole and complete, lacking nothing because I don't want you to miss even a fraction of the blessing that God has for you. I don't want you to be rerouted on the assignment that God has called you to. And so we're going to get through this thing and we're going to get through it together in Jesus name. All right. So that is it. And I will see you guys next time.